Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. I'm Abby Branker. That's Alan Kudan. Hello. And today we have The Exquisite Corpse, Volume 2, The Haunted Mansion. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. That's our theme song. Right? Haunted Mansion reminds me of... Disney World? No. I was actually going to say Scooby-Doo, but oh. then I retracted and was going to say Betrayal at House on the Hill, mm. which was my gateway board game. What does that mean? That means that was the game that introduced me mm-hmm. to, well, board gaming as a hobby. Before, So for anyone who's never played Betrayal at House on the Hill, you're really missing out. <laughs> it's an amazing game. You're basically playing as the Scooby-Doo gang, and you're exploring this spooky mansion. Spooky things happen. And at some point, the haunt starts, and all the rules of the game change. Yeah. It's amazing. I really enjoy it, actually. Alan is a board game kind of guy and i enjoy certain board games and that is one that i really enjoy well quick shout out to alex crow and zach cooperstein for introducing me to that game because before that you know i had only played well you know everyone plays like you know your milton bradley monopoly whatnot sure growing up but i'd played like Catan before Mm -hmm. that and only with people that are just like super into Catan, which yeah. kind of kills it for you. Yeah. But then you play a game like this, which is just so dripping with theme mm-hmm. and, you know, atmosphere. And it just it tells a different story every time you play because it's one of, actually, no, one, yeah, one of a hundred different scenarios with the expansion. Another game that just came to my mind, talking about kind of like dripping with atmosphere, mm-hmm. is Mysterium. Mm. I really enjoy Mysterium, too. You kind of have to, like, interpret people's haunted dreams, which I really enjoy doing. So Mysterium, for those who don't know, uh, one person plays as the undead spirit and has to convey information to a whole bunch of mystics. And the undead spirit, sorry, undead spirit? A ghost. Ghost? Whatever, yeah. I think they're called ghosts. This Well, yeah. So they can't speak because they obviously can't communicate with the living. The only way you can communicate is with these super ambiguous dream cards that are just really beautiful artwork that could re- mean just about anything. It's almost like they're exquisite corpse pieces, honestly. Not mm. to like tie it into this episode, but I, I just realized that they're like just random pieces of art. Random, but directed. Yeah. Because with context, they make perfect sense. I mean, some of them do. It's no, it's it's like a riddle. Once you know the, if the if the the spirit could speak and explain the reason why you were handed this particular piece of artwork, like the mouse dressed up like a knight, you know, f- fighting a lobster, mm-hmm. you know, it makes no sense. But if you're explained, like, oh, of course, that's why it was given to me because that's the murderer, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, good point. Another game, one more game. I don't want to bore anyone who's not a game person, but one more game that we just started playing was Don't Get Stabbed. Don't Get Stabbed. And it's a horror-themed game. It's kind of like you're in like a very, like a Scream movie, like a very classic horror film. There, but there's it, really only one rule you need to follow. Yeah, what's that? Don't Get Stabbed. Oh, true. Unless you're the killer, and then the rule is stab. Right. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's you, fun. Yeah. It's easy. That's like a very cool intro horror board game i would say it's even it's it's a a card game yeah it's a card game but it's really fun i enjoyed that one a lot it's a piece of cake and yeah it's a lot of it's 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 a good time yeah my whole family played it and enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. they're not always into board games so that was fun yeah your your father killed at it (laughs) we're done plugging board games but there is one other thing that i would like to plug 
And that is a book that I'm like 80% done with. So if the last 20% sucks, then I apologize for this plug. But the first 80% is very good. It's horror. It's a horror book, I would say. And it is called Imaginary Friend. It is by Stephen Chopsky. He's also he also wrote Rent and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. But this book is very Rent is very famous. It is. So is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And he wrote a horror novel? Yeah, Imaginary Friend. Hmm. And actually somebody who is a friend of mine who has a book podcast, she recommended it to me. And it's so shout out to Becky from Books in the City. Okay. But it is very good. It's weird. It's kind of like you're in this like hellish nightmare the whole time. Neat. The writing is very strong. It's very descriptive and certainly like pulls you into it. Okay. It's very smart too. It plays a lot with like word types and repetitive words and different types of font. Like it's just, it's very uh, interactive and fun. Uh, Not interactive in that it's like a choose your own adventure, but interactive in its own way. So anyway, if you're looking for kind of like a fall horror book to get you into the haunted spirit i would what's it about it's about this little boy just without you know so if you were to just like give me the tagline for this book yeah sell it to me little boy is lured into a nightmarish hell and has to save the world oh i actually think you would like it a lot cool yeah it would probably be a good audiobook too hmm it is long. I don't know. I'm reading an ebook, so I don't know how many pages it is, but mm. I've been reading it for a very long time. It feels like it's very long. Watch, it's like 100 pages, but I've been reading it for like a long time. And I was on vacation just like pretty much only reading that book, and I'm still not done. You were pouring through that book. I was trying to finish it, and I didn't. Oh. I failed. It just keeps on giving. Keeps on giving. Okay. So, Imaginary Friend... Betrayal at House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Don't get stabbed. Mm-hmm. You know what's even more exciting than all those things? Wow, what? Exquisite Corpse Volume 2. Well, hang on. Just kidding. It's not. We haven't yet talked about my my night fact. <laughs> First off, I set you up about half an hour ago uh-huh. when I w- w- made an arbitrary Mysterium card that had a mouse dressed up as a knight. I know, but I wanted to talk about Imaginary Friend first. I have an order. I have an iPad document that I like to follow. Got it. Okay. Do you know any facts about medieval warriors? I do, actually. I'm so glad that you asked. And that is this. Do you know where the term freelance came from? Actually, no. Neither did I, till recently. It is a knight who has no allegiance to any court. He just goes where he's paid the highest, so he's a freelance. Oh, how about that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's pretty cool. As long as we're talking about lances and uh-huh. knights and whatnot, have you read any Max Brooks novels? No. So that would be zo- the Zombie Survival Guide, World War Z. No, actually. One one thing that really stuck with me from, I think it was Zombie Survival Guide, was that the best weapon mm-hmm. for killing zombies, do you know what it is? My hands. Yeah, I mean... We don't all have your hands, so that's off the table. Hmm. Then what, Tommy? A flanged mace. What is that? I'm just going to have everybody Google what a flanged mace looks like. Mm-hmm. But it's basically, it's a big, heavy stick of, you know, iron or steel or something. Yeah. And it has flanges at the end, so they're not terribly sharp, mm-hmm. but they are pointy enough to crack a skull. So you don't ever oh. have to sharpen it. It's not right. going to break. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So I know, you know, the holidays are coming up. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone's looking for stocking stuffers. Mm-hmm. Flanged maces all around. If only they had that in High School of the Dead, which is a anime that we are watching on Verve, on VRV. And it is fun. I was actually going to suggest it to you guys. It's it's like a zombie high school anime. It is incredibly sexualized, as a lot of anime is. But it's uh, it's been very fun so far. It's very good. Yeah. I, and even without Flange Maces, they do great. Yeah. Yeah, they do well. So anyway. Fun series. I think it's only like 13 episodes. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you have VRV, it is there for your consumption. Mm-hmm. Okay, shall we pivot right on to our topic? Okay, so we're actually going to get back to... Exquisite Corpse, Volume 2. Volume 2, the, the, haunted, haunted the Haunted House. Buckle up. You may recall from Episode 27, we did an Exquisite Corpse experiment with some friends. So essentially, Exquisite Corpse is a game. It arose from the Surrealist movement. I'm not going to go into the whole history because you can go back to the original episode we did, Episode 27, if you want some more information on the history of it. Um, and to listen to our other attempt. But it is a old school kind of game. You can do it with drawings and paintings. You can do it with words. Essentially, it's a group collaboration game, but each contributor only has a tiny piece of information from the last contributor. So you get, you know, a painting that is full of all kinds of made up creatures, or you get stories that are kind of like Mad Libs. And so we have done this once and we're going to do it again now and see kind of just like what comes out. We haven't listened to the story straight through, so we have no idea what is to be heard. Though I will say this one, I wanted it to be spookier because we're gearing up, obviously, for the Halloween season. I mean, my part, I think, is spooky. My part is too, but you and I kind of bookend it, so we don't really know what's in the middle. Oh. Ooh. So anyway. Can we find out? Let's find out. Uh, s- should we tell people what exactly was provided for the individual writers yes so similar to what we did last time i provided the writers with the first sentence of the whole story where i tried to set up like some of the basics and what was that like where we are do you mean to read the first no i I think yeah let's just so we all have in our mind what is going to be the first sentence i don't want to give anything away okay that every writer okay so the first sentence which is this Eleanor let go of Jane's hand and took a step forward. They had hiked 40 minutes into the forest behind their high school. Rumors had circulated for generations about the haunted house in these woods. And then they got the final line of the piece right before them. Mm -hmm. And so just so they could like try to transition. And the point is that it's going to be a bit mismatched, right? It's not going to be like a hundred percent a group written story. It's like kind of like a Mad Libs type of a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like an old parlor game from the Surrealist era. So, anyway, hope you enjoy. All right. All right. Exquisite Corpse, Volume 2. Written and read by a whole lot of people. Eleanor let go of Jane's hand as she took a step forward. They had hiked 40 minutes into the forest behind their high school. Rumors had circulated for generations about the haunted house in these woods. Eleanor had been pining to come and find the manor ever since she had moved to the town and caught wind of the gossip. She was half expecting it to be bullshit, but there it was. She looked closer. It was a two-story house covered in gray stone. There was a chimney on the left-hand side. Vines crawled up the sides and across the black roof. A few of the windows were broken. She surveyed the surroundings. No old roads. Not even any foundations from old neighbors. 
It was as if someone had plucked this house out of a prominent English town and plopped it randomly in the middle of these Missouri woods. She smiled as she looked back at Jane, who had very reluctantly agreed to come. It's okay if you want to wait outside, she said. I just want to peek my head in. Jane looked nervous. Elle, come on. Let's just go back. It doesn't look safe. I have a bad feeling. Eleanor walked over and squeezed Jane's hand. I promise, 30 seconds, we came all this way. With that, she stood up to the dilapidated front steps. They were also made of stone, but deep cracks penetrated them. She stepped up one, two, three times and found herself at the front door. Be careful, Jane called. Eleanor waved back and put her hand on the doorknob. She slowly turned and pushed the door open just enough to slip inside. Eleanor was halfway through the threshold. When an invisible force pulled her in and slammed the door closed behind her, panic set in. She whirled around to try and break free, but something made her stop dead in her tracks. Something was spreading across the walls of the room. It looked like a shadow and moved like a cloud. Shit, where's Jane? Eleanor thought to herself. A chill ran through her as she looked around the room again. She realized that it used to be a children's classroom. Small, rotting wooden desks and tiny chairs that were once in straight lines were now tossed around the room. It reminded Eleanor of the time they had an actual fire drill in fourth grade. She and Jane held hands all the way to the safe zone, probably longer. It turned out that there had been a small dumpster fire set by some annoying fifth grade boys. When they returned to class, she remembered it was like a tornado had hit. Eleanor wondered if something like that had happened here. Then, she realized that it wasn't a shadow. It was smoke, or maybe the memory of smoke, and it had spread everywhere. The walls were covered with dark, thick clouds. The door she had come through was gone, too, and replaced by the rolling blackness that she knew could harm her. Eleanor was trapped. Fine, Jane. There's got to be a way through. She thought she had seen another door, and there was no turning back the way she came. Without another moment's hesitation, she started towards the far corner of the room. One. The classroom yelled as a response to her assertiveness. Two. Eleanor stopped. Three. The room continued as chairs and desks snapped into orderly rows and faced front. Books and papers found their way into piles onto shelves. She watched as the room around her counted and rewound to a haunting memory. Ten. The counting stopped. As the rustling settled, a new sound emerged, a slight scratching. Eleanor was still standing in the middle of the room, scared stiff, and watched as the smoke started to clear in front of her. The words on the chalkboard said, hide and seek. More was being etched. It read, come find her. The back of Eleanor's neck prickled. She felt goosebumps trickle down her spine. Why had they decided to come to this haunted house? Eleanor looked around the room and began to compose herself. A thought suddenly formed in her mind. It's rare that a person can disappear without a trace. There could be a clue or two in the surrounding area. 
This situation reminded Eleanor of a specific incident last summer when her aunt seemingly disappeared without a trace. It wasn't until later that the family discovered a receipt for flights to Cabo tucked in her desk drawer and all her luggage missing. With thoughts of Cabo on her mind, Eleanor grabbed the tiny flashlight she kept on her keyring and began to shine it around the area beneath the chalkboard. After a few minutes of searching, the beam of light landed on a shiny necklace lying discarded in the corner. That's Jane's necklace, screamed Eleanor, as a slow feeling of dread washed over her. The naked woman sitting at the vanity caught Eleanor's eyes in the mirror. Eleanor's heart skipped a beat, similar to the way it did the first time she saw Jane. But instead of being flooded with joy and calm, she felt like she would never see the sun again. All feeling was sucked out of her. Eleanor stood frozen, caught between charging forward and running out the door. The woman's pale lips curled upwards and her blank expression turned sinister. Just as she reached up and touched the necklace around her neck, the lights in the room flashed bright and cut out entirely. A now blind Eleanor screamed with desperation into the dark. What did you do with her? She looked around furiously, wailing her arms, but felt nothing. After a few moments of silence, she calmed her breathing, but her heart kept racing. Crack! Like a camera flash, the lights came back. It was softer. The few light bulbs were now candles. What on earth, she said to herself. She didn't even know what to be scared about. Was Jane in trouble? Eleanor knew for a fact that was Jane's necklace. Eleanor had never seen her not wear it. She asked about it a long time ago, and Jane brushed it off, saying something about a dead relative. A strange scent brought Eleanor back to the present. Her present. Still too afraid to move, she scanned the room. It was the same room, but the contents were completely different. Where the naked woman was sitting was a small table covered in candles. She unconsciously started moving towards the table. An undetectable force was pulling her. There was a layer of wax all over the small table, like the candles had been burning for years. It was an altar of some kind. The candles illuminated images of a young family with twin girls. Now kneeling in front of the altar, Eleanor understood. In the center was a portrait of just one of the girls, not even ten and laying in front of the photo was the necklace, Jane's necklace. Still so distracted by her fear and confusion, she didn't notice her own hand reach out to touch it. The moment Eleanor felt the chill of the gold necklace on her fingertips, all the candles blew out. The stillness in the air left her momentarily stunned, to a point where she didn't notice the dark shadows drawing near. Silent energy seemed to crackle around Eleanor like live wires. Unable to decipher between darkness and presence, Eleanor blindly found her way to the corner of the room in search of a source of light, unaware of her caress of the one who watched closely. Her fingers awkwardly reaching before her, she eventually stumbled upon an old lantern in the corner of the room and lit it. The moment just before the light illuminated the room, a flash of white teeth caught her attention. A smile. The chill that raced down her spine when she found no one else in the room with her was hard to shake. Eleanor found herself staring at the wall opposite her where a small portrait hung. The depiction of the woman's eyes pulled her closer. As she drew near, she realized it wasn't a painting, but a hand-drawn sketch. The toothless smile curving the woman's lips wasn't what concerned Eleanor, though. It was the gold necklace that adorned the woman's neck that bore a striking resemblance to the necklace Eleanor discovered only moments ago. Turning back to look where the necklace had once sat, she was confused to find the necklace gone. In its place sat what looked to be a folded piece of paper. She carefully walked closer to the new discovery, 
only to feel a sharp tug on her elbow. Turning quickly towards her attacker, Eleanor readied her throat for a scream, only to have it stopped short by the sight of Jane. Jane, without an ounce of trepidation or concern, moved past Eleanor with a measured walk. She plucked the piece of paper off the floor and unfolded it with a confidence Eleanor had never seen in her before. Watching Jane's face, one would think she was reading a grocery list, not a note left by someone out to give them a good scare. Jane, what is it? What does it say? Eleanor asked cautiously. Jane sighed and looked up at Eleanor. Resignation clearly written on her face. The next words from Jane would only bring more confusion and uncertainty. I'm sorry, Eleanor. I didn't expect her to find you so quickly. I thought we had more time. The sunset faded, engulfing the hallway in darkness. What do you mean you thought we had more time? Eleanor asked, turning to face Jane. She ignited her lighter and revealed Jane with a translucent, wrinkled hand on her left shoulder from beyond the shadow. Eleanor covers her mouth to muffle her scream. Jane cracks a smile as a wilted face with cloudy eyes and floating strands of hair emerges from the darkness. Terrified, Eleanor bolts down the hall, her vision flickering as the lighter fights to stay lit in her hand. A wretched laugh is heard from the mysterious entity as Eleanor desperately attempts to retrace her steps, but falls, dropping the lighter down a broken floorboard. Jane's voice echoes down the hall. Eleanor, come back. We still have so many games to play. Eleanor knows she's lost in the house, but pushes herself to keep going. It's then a glimpse of moonlight and hope shimmers from beyond a corner. She runs to the corner, but all hope dissipates. At the end of the corridor is a window, but in front of her are children with hands reaching out to Eleanor as they sink below the floor. She's been waiting to play for so long. Please stay with us. Eleanor hears the floor creak as Jane walks beside the entity. Eleanor takes a step towards the window when children's hands reach from below the floor, grasping for anything they can. Jane's pace quickens as the child's hand catches Eleanor's backpack and grips it tight. Eleanor pulls on the windowsill with all her might, fighting more children, pulling her down. Jane's footsteps turn to stomping as she scratches along the wall. The entity, now at the end of the corridor, reaches out for Eleanor. The force of her backpack causes it to snap, sending her out the window, but she stops. With Eleanor's leg in its grasp, the entity lifts her up face to face and whispers, It's time for you to behave and meet the children. Calm down, my dear. Fear toughens the meat, and some of the children are still teething. The oil lamp. She had to try. With her free leg, she flailed at the sconce, but her foot cut through nothing but air. Large black lips peeled back, revealing a forest of sharp, rotting teeth. The girl's last struggle was amusing. Then, Eleanor's foot caught on wrought iron and glass. With one more twist, the sconce ripped from the wall and crashed against the two of them. With the sound of shattering glass, the paraffin oil ignited, setting everyone and everything aflame. Eleanor's shoulder cracked on the ground as she was dropped. She rolled away frantically, both to get away from the burning monster as well as to put out the flames that had spread to her jeans. The beast howled with pain as it stumbled and thrashed around. The flames spread to its face, and Eleanor watched its two huge obsidian eyes burst from the heat. Where are you, you little bitch? I'll rip out your spine! Eleanor got to her feet. White-hot pain shot through her legs and shoulder, but she was able to hobble away down a hallway. She just had to get out of the house, 
but she was all turned around. Where was the front door? Before she could act, the burning monstrosity crashed through the wall in front of her. There you are! Eleanor took off down the hallway, hobbling as fast as she could in the other direction. Then she saw it. At the end of the hallway was a window. The last dregs of sunlight shone through the grimy pane. She didn't even remember what floor she was on, but she had to risk it. A freight train of burning black flesh barreled down the hallway behind her. Eleanor covered her face and dove straight through the window. For a moment, she was in the air before slamming against the slanted roof. In a brief avalanche of moldy shingles and broken glass, she slid off the roof and tumbled into the bushes below. She was cut and broken, but at least she was outside. Then the monstrosity landed on the ground before her. It raised itself up to its full height, smoke billowing from its charred flesh. I will feast on your still-beating- Open fire! A hailstorm of bullets ripped into the beast. It roared and thrashed, but was drowned out by the thunderous gunfire. The semi-automatic barrage continued until a lifeless black mass lay smoldering on the ground. Eleanor felt strong hands pull her out of the bush and lay her on a gurney. As paramedics began their work, Eleanor looked at the girl standing to her side. It took her a moment to realize who it was. Jane? My God, I, I thought... Tears welled in Jane's eyes. She was so happy to see her friend still alive. Yeah, I know, but I was able to get away. I was able to call 911 and explain everything. I didn't think they'd believe me, but they said not to worry and that help was on the way. Eleanor lifted her head just enough to look around. A dozen unmarked but official-looking vehicles were now in front of the house. Men and women in dark navy suits were canvassing the area as others were strapping on tactical gear in preparation to storm the house. One of the official-looking women approached the girls. I'm glad to see you two made it out. Was there anyone else in the house? Eleanor looked at Jane and then back at the woman. Yeah, inside you'll find that smoldering piece of shit's children. That was good. I loved your piece. That was great. I loved everybody's piece. I think everyone did a really great job. Thank you. Yeah, I think there was definitely, like less continuity in this one than in the first one that we did but they were all really spooky and well written and so i had a lot of fun listening to them well i i mean i felt i was a little yours became military Uh, i guess as expected i mean whatever it became an action movie it it always becomes an action movie (laughs) but you know that but it was a good ending you, you, you write what you love and i i love horror movies where it's so scary and you're so under you know you're so under their protagonists are like really against the wall and then someone is just like i've had enough and then just like straps up and like beats the shit out of the monster yeah Yeah. or or the or it's the opposite where like the monster just straps in and destroys everybody Mm -hmm. you know i just love when it's just like crazy one-sided yeah i mean it, it was certainly a satisfying ending in that way i thought it was great um, I, yeah, I didn't foresee that the entity that I was naming was going to be Jane, mm-hmm. but I also had to kind of keep things open-ended. I think it worked out. No, I thought it was great. There were some other elements throughout the story that just like really like stuck out for me. Mm-hmm. Sam's phrase of the memory of smoke. Mm. Was, that's beautiful. Yeah, Sam did, I would say everyone did a really good job. Sam and everyone had a really different style. Sam's to me was almost like the most horror movie. Like it was 
what she thought of was really imaginative that like the chalk wrote on the wall and the room was counting backwards like i thought she did a great job developing suspense and kind of pulling us into it oh totally um and then the fact that matt identified that the necklace was jane's Mm -hmm. like brought her right back into the story yeah but like is in, in yours you just left her outside yeah that was interesting too that she became you know such right. a big part of it but then the necklace was hers so like clearly she was in trouble or something which i feel like everyone from then on just fed off yeah yeah i love alex's too that it was like about the aunt and cop you know like everyone brought their own personality into it which i i loved phil just made it straight up like creepy kids yeah yeah Who Phil's, phil i would say I think Phil's was the most horror, straight up horror movie. Really? I think Matt's was, I feel like, I feel like Sam, Phil, Matt, KK were all really horror movie. You were action movie. Alex was like quirky comedy. And mine was just like the setup. (laughs) Well, I think we all did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. And I want to say too, besides you, everybody else who participated is a friend from college. So it's really fun to kind of have that group together. Oh, I think everyone except you did a really good job. You did a really shitty job. Everyone else did a great job. No, everyone did a great job and everybody else um, is a college friend. So that's really fun. Another successful exquisite corpse in the books, I would say. I'd say. And this one, you know, right on time for Halloween for the fall season. Mm Got to start cranking up the spooky factor a little bit. I think we did great. Yeah, I thought that was good. So, of course, thank you for everyone who read and wrote pieces. Thank you for listening. And, I mean, as you heard, a lot of these were just recorded with people's phones. Mm-hmm. So, it absolutely anybody can contribute to this. Yeah, please. We would love to do something like this again. So, send us a, send us a note. You know where to find us. Filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com. The Lunatics Project on Instagram. Wherever else you've watched anything, we're probably there. Use your intuition. And get ready for... Exquisite Corpse, Volume 3, The Spooky Sandcastle. The Spooky Sandcastle? (laughs) For for the winter months? (laughs) We'll workshop it. Okay. Exquisite Corpse 3, The Unsettling Snowball. (laughs) The Unsettling Snowball? What about Exquisite Corpse 3, The Snowfall? The Snowfall? Mm Mm-hmm. Because then it can kind of be like disaster movie themed, maybe. Oh, a disaster movie. Yeah, like Day After Tomorrow kind of a thing. And then, I mean, yeah, and then the military will show up at the end. <laughs> well, maybe we'll give you the beginning one. I don't know. You like having the anchor spot? I mean, I... No, nah, it's fine. Okay. We'll the, get, the military, maybe next time we'll do random order. The military can show up in the middle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this what Mine wasn't the military. It was like a... It, actually, it was based off... Um, do you know SCP? No. The SCP stands for Special Containment Protocol, mm-hmm. and it's just this giant internet archive mm-hmm. of fan-made contributions, and it's all written in this like like super top secret redacted type documentation, um, and everything is like a, about a. It's about this agency that contains anomalies. Is this this is fa- this is like a fake fiction thing? Is it? I mean, yeah, but. Okay. Um, <laughs> And it, you know, some of these creatures are just mind mind blowing. Yeah. Like one of the most famous. Mm-hmm. Th- they're all just named like SCP one seven four, SCP four three eight, something like that. You know. Um, but uh, one of the most famous is SCP one seventy three, also known as the Sculpture. Oh. And it's this like 
spooky well it, it looks like this crazy monster looking thing but it never moves as long as you're looking at it and they write about this whole containment protocol about how whenever you go in the room you always have to have three people mm-hmm. because it doesn't move as long as there's eyes on it the second that eyes are not on it it moves at like ludicrous speeds and murders everybody whoa so you, that's why they always have you know everything is written with like containment protocols in place oh that's cool yep. i like that i can't believe i've never heard of that before yeah me either well send that there, over. there's literally hundreds of these oh cool and that inspired your ending i mean yeah that's why like i had like those like men in black type agency yeah show up to deal with the it's all because phil used the word entity mm. phil got it he did yeah well awesome thank you for showing that's cool we're all gonna check that out now there's even video games based on it oh fun stay tuned for more info on that in the next and episode. plenty of creepypastas Ooh, love we as you know we do love a good creepypasta here in fact we can do a whole scp episode okay we could do that it's possible it's possible anything is possible if you put your mind to it but in the meantime, we got to start thinking about our contributions to the creepy snowball. Right. The snowfall. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again so much for listening. We appreciate it. You mean the world to us. And we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, Consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.